Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries with James Myers. In this series, we are considering men and women of the Bible, what we can learn from them, and observing God's constant faithfulness in the lives of His people. Today we consider Elijah's protege, Elisha. You can find more information about our ministry by visiting us at seaoffire.org, or you can view James's latest videos on YouTube at Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope this message serves to edify the church. Just for those who aren't here, I'm not feeling all that well, so forgive me for the sniffles and the coughs and whatnot. Hopefully that'll stay at a minimum. But we are going to be somewhat brief with this. We're, you know, uh, we've had the tendency, I've had the tendency to look at many different accounts with these men and women. And so with Elisha, I really just want to focus on one and then go back to when he uh, had seen um, Elijah taken up. So we're going to look at all of chapter 5 and then briefly consider that account um, taken up where we left off last week. So chapter 5 verse 1, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. Now Syria was an enemy of Israel. Most of the time. Early on they weren't so much, but they are certainly at this point. And the Lord is actually giving him victory because he's a great and honorable man. He's still a pagan. He's still a pagan at this point. But it's just interesting that the Lord has given victory through this man to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. He was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. So that's Elisha, obviously. Now, Elisha is not in Samaria, but she doesn't know that. And Naaman went in and told his master, so the commander went in and told told the king, uh, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel, just telling him what she had said. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. This is a lot. This is a lot of riches. This is this is a good this is a good amount. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened that the king of Israel, the king of Israel at this point at this time is Jehoram. He's Ahab's son. Okay. So, but it happened when the king of Israel read this letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how, the, see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So the king is kind of incensed by this. He thinks the king of Syria is kind of setting him up. He's basically saying, Am I God? Can I make, can I make alive? Can I kill? Can I make alive? So to speak, you know, I, I don't have the power to do this. He's obviously trying to start a war with me. He's trying to start some kind of quarrel with me. Okay. Now, it ha- and it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God, am I God to kill and make alive? So it was. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot. And he stood, at the do- he stood at the door of Elisha's house, okay? And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will- shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. 
So this is a great offense. Naaman's this great commander. He's well known. He's very highly honored. Everybody loves Naaman, okay? And he comes to this man's door. He's a commander, okay? So he's high up there in the world kind of a thing. And he's coming to this great prophet who, you know, he, did, he didn't really know of until his this slave girl had told his wife, okay? So he comes to this door and Elisha doesn't even come out. So he becomes, he's furious. He's insulted by this. And then he goes on. So he became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. This is how I expected him to do this. You know, the prophets in our time, you know, in our country, in our nation do this. It's all, it's all about, you know, laying on your hands, you know, calling down from the God. But, but this prophet's telling me to go wash in the Jordan seven times. Okay, and he'll get to that. Are not the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? Because the Jordan's kind of dirty. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the Jordan. You know, it, it's not a great light blue body of water. It's kind of dirty. Those in Damascus are clean. You know, they're, they're, they're cleaner. They're nicer. So he's saying... Why don't I go washing them seven times? Why is he sending me to this filthy river? <laughs> you know, so that's, that's his problem. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. He's furious. He's still furious. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? Which is the tendency of men and women, right? If, if we hear a, an easy suggestion, you know, we, we hear something, we, we expect this great thing, right, from, from either a messenger from God or some, something, healing, anything. But when the answer is so simple, it's too simple for us to believe, such as the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, he was buried, and he was raised up. Easy message, simple message, hard to accept difficult to accept so that's what's that's what Naaman's going through right here but the but the, the his servants are basically employing him if the prophet had told you to do something difficult you know if he he told you to go whatever i don't know think, think of anything to go you know wash yourself in mud and i don't know uh, roll a rock up a mountain something to that effect he's a leper he's going to do whatever he can to be cleansed of this leprosy and so, but he's thinking, well, that's silly. To go wash in the river seven times is erroneous. That's nonsense. I'm not going to do that. But his servants implore him. How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. So it wasn't just restored to his manly skin into the condition of a man's skin, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's restored to that of a little child. God purified him even greater than he was before he became a leper. It's incredible. It's amazing. He didn't just heal him of his leprosy. He healed him of any eczema, whatever else he could have had, you know, any kind of blemish in that respect. So, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him. 
And he said, Indeed, now I know that there that there is a God in all the earth. I'm sorry, there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, so Elisha said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Basically, Elisha saying, I didn't cure you. I didn't cure you, Naaman. I mean, I you know, I understand why you're doing this. This is great. You're this is a good dedication. This is a good place for your heart. But also recognize you notice that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. So he's the one who healed you, and you can't offer him gifts either. So no, no, go your way and be clean, be cleansed. So Naaman said. Then, if not, please let your servant be given two mule, mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple of Ramon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Ramon. When I bow down in the temple of Ramon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. So he asks him, that, that's great. Okay, fine. You won't take anything from me. Please, let me take two mulefuls of this earth of Israel so that when I go back, I will only praise God. I will only offer burnt offerings on this piece of real estate. You know, according to how he sees it, it's specifically the God of Israel. So he wants to take the, a part of Israel back to his homeland so that he can truly worship the Lord God just as the Israelites do, just as though he were still in Israel. Again, this is a pagan. This is a Gentile that God has sent out to this prophet for God's salvation, for his absolute redemption, for his ultimate redemption, for his cleanliness, for, for him being cleansed of his leprosy and of his sins. And Naaman knows. Naaman knows now. There's no God in the, all of earth except this God. And now I want two mulefuls of this earth so I can worship the Lord God. However, please, if when I go in with the king, I got to go in with the king to the temple of Ramon, and I got to genuflect, I got to bow the knee, but I will not be bowing the knee to Ramon. I'm going to be doing it out of, out of basically um, obedience you know, to his master, the king. He, he would be expected to do this. He's commanded to do this. Now, Elisha allows this. There's much to be considered about this because this is kind of idolatry, but it's not idolatry. He's saying, when I go in there and I kneel and I bow the knee, you know I'm not bowing the knee to Ramon. Please, let it be that the Lord knows that I'm not bowing my knee to Ramon either. I am doing this for my master. And you say, you know, we're supposed to obey our, our masters and so forth and serve them well. And so, please, when this happens, let the Lord pass over this iniquity. May, him, may he forgive this. Then he said, so Elisha said to him, go in peace. So he departed him from him a short distance. So he, he started heading back, but he's only a short distance away. But Gehazi... The servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman this Syrian while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. So Gehazi pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? So Gehazi 
is Elisha's servant here, and he becomes greedy. He, he's thinking, you know, here's this Syrian, here's this pagan, here's this heathen who's come into our country to be healed by, this, by Elisha, my master, and my master didn't even receive anything in, from him. That can't be right. You know, Naaman came all this way. He didn't have to pay anything. He didn't have to go through any kind of turmoil. He just dipped in, in the river seven times and he's good. No, he needs to pay something. That, that's Gehazi, Gehazi's greed. So uh, he came down from his chariot, Naaman did, and he asked him, is all well? And Gehazi said, all is well. My master has sent me, saying, Indeed, just now two men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garment. This is an absolute lie, obviously. We, you know, it doesn't say that anywhere in the narrative. Gehazi's making this up to Naaman. So Naaman said, Please. Take two talents. Naaman's thinking, oh, fantastic, good. I, I, I felt terribly for not giving you anything, for not giving Elisha anything, for this miracle. You know, my skin is absolutely restored to that of a child. And so please, take the two talents. Fine. Uh, and he urged him and bound two talents of silver to his, in two bags with two changes of garments and handed them to uh, two of his servants, and they carried them on ahead of him. So two of his servants go back with him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. And then he let the men go. So he basically took him before he's around Elisha, before Elisha can see this, okay? And then he kind of hid them in the house. Then he let the men go, and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? This is a prophet. What a silly thing. But again, men and women are so... Tend so much to do this to test the Lord our God and here's Gehazi testing Elisha he's a prophet Elisha knows when he's gone so where'd you go Gehazi and he said your servant did not go anywhere then he said to him did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you is it time to receive money and to receive clothing olive groves and vineyards sheep and oxen male and female servants Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. And he went out from his presence, leprous as white as snow. So, did not my heart go with you when this man turned back from the chariot to meet you? Obviously, I'm the prophet. I knew. I know what's going on. And my heart went with you. Is this the time? Is this the time? Have you seen in my ministry, have you seen in my master Elijah's ministry, is this the time to receive money and to receive clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male and female servants? Has it been time that we, that we the prophets, become kings, Gehazi? When have you seen this? When have you seen me take anything like this? When have you seen or heard of Elijah taking anything like this? When have you read in your Bible that Moses would do anything of the sort? That Joshua would, done, would have done anything of the sort? Deborah, Gideon, all the rest. Is it time to receive money and receive clothing? All these articles. You should have known better, Gehazi. It's your greed. Your God, Christ says you cannot serve both God and mammon or money. You know, it, the Bible also says the, root, the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money. Gehazi loved money more than he loved his master and more than he loves the Lord our God. Okay, so 
He's cursed with the same leprosy that Naaman had, which will carry on to his descendants. Now we will, if you continue reading, he becomes a servant of the king of Israel. Okay, so whether he's healed of this leprosy for a time or what, it doesn't say. So he, he does come back in the narrative, come back in the Bible where we do see him. But right now he's being punished because of his greed. Or again, this just could happen after that because again, these aren't chronological. So I want to go back to chapter 2 and consider this very briefly. When Elijah was taken up, remember, Elijah had asked him, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, so Elijah said, you have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. Interestingly, when Elisha dies, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, comes and he says the same thing. Uh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. I think this is a huge, pivotal time in Elisha's life. I think this is, and we'll, we'll, we'll consider this, but I think this passed on to the rest of the nation. Everybody knew this was a pivotal time in his ministry, in his lifetime. So Jehoshaphat comes and says that to Elisha just before Elisha passed away. Elisha wasn't taken up in a chariot of fire. There are only two people in the Bible who were ascended into heaven without dying, and that's Enoch and that's Elisha. Elijah, okay? And we'll just have to remember that. Christ, obviously, we will consider in our next message, but he died first, and he's the only one who was resurrected, and so... We probably won't mention Enoch and Elijah, but it's just important to recognize that th those two men were taken straight to heaven without dying. And Elijah with these chariots of fire that I'd love, but we, we will, God willing, another time. So, so we saw him no more. Okay, so Elisha saw him no more. He's gone. He's gone. Now, because we'll talk about this too. A departure, especially one that will last the rest of your life, whether it's by death, whether it's by a sin, you know, a, a, a rupture of a relationship, either by sin or by death, is terrible. It's terrible. It leaves you in anguish. It leaves you sad. And that's where Elisha is. He's, he's not saying all gleefully, my father, my father, you know, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen, yay. No, he's saying, my father. My father, my master, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He didn't just tear him slightly. He's grieving here. He's struck with great grief. Elijah was pivotal in the nation. Now, he had asked for a double portion of Elijah's spear because he knows that the nation is going to need a prophet. But here, he's at a crossroads. He, his master is gone. He's absolutely alone right now. He's alone, totally isolated right now. And he tears him into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. All that was left of Elijah was this mantle. Now again... See, what's interesting about the Bible is we read of Christ's ascension, we read of his dying on the cross, and they're just short sentences. 
and he died, or, you know, he yielded up his spirit, or, you know, he was ascended into heaven by the clouds. This is a very short thing. You know, he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Okay, now we got to put ourselves there. He's all alone. He's in anguish. And he's at a crossroads here. He doesn't know if he can do this. He saw Elijah, you know, do this, and he served Elijah, but he doesn't know if he can do this. So he sees all this left from his master is his cloak. That's what the mantle is. It's his cloak. And he has a decision to make. Do I take up the cloak or do I just go home? And Elijah's gone. He's not going to know, you know. Do I just go home? This is too much for me. I saw what he went through. Is it, 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 is it, is it, do I take up the mantle and serve as faithfully as my master? Because I asked him for a double portion, but right now I'm in agony and in anguish. What do I do? What do I do? And he took up the mantle. That's why last week I had mentioned it is time that our generation takes up the mantle of Christ and to take him to the, all the ends of the earth. But he decides this is a choice from him. He's, he's caught between these two options. Do I, do I fulfill this ministry? Do I continue this ministry? I can't imagine I'll be like my master Elijah. The nation needs an Elijah. But I'm not Elijah. I asked for a double portion of his spirit, but I don't know. <laughs> you know I don't know what that's going to look like. I, I trust in God, but I don't really trust myself. But he takes up the mantle. And that's why when he goes to the water and he strikes it and it doesn't divide, he says, where's the Lord God of my master Elijah? Lord God of Elijah. And then he strikes it again and it divides. Because God is now showing him, well done, good and faithful servant. You took up the mantle. You are carrying on in his ministry, the ministry that I've called him to, the ministry I've called all you prophets to. Now, then he strikes the water and it divides. And Elisha has many, many different miracles. A lot, some of them, a lot of them are reflective of Elijah's. Remember that widow that, that he helped, it, where he um, brought life back to her son, raised her son. Well, Elisha does something of the same deal. This Shunammite woman, you know, always takes him in and lets him stay there as he's passing by. And she asks her husband if they can make a chamber just for him. And they do. And God grants her a son. And then later this son dies. And then Elisha comes and restores his life. He, he has many different kind of simple ones, but I wanted to consider Naaman. I love the story of Naaman. I mean, it just makes my heart smile. It's, it's so wonderful that this good and honorable man was still yet unsaved. He was still yet not a child of God. And it's because of his leprosy. It's because of his decay in that respect, just like it's ours in sin. That's what leads him to this prophet. He hears a testimony from a servant girl, not a preacher, not a prophet, a simple little girl whom they had taken captive from the, out of their raids. 
and he goes, and his cha- his life is never the same for eternity. What a wonderful God we serve. What a wonderful God we serve. We are going to kind of skip ahead. We're going to be more brief with these. Uh, and so, you know, I haven't yet decided uh, who we're going to look at next week just yet. But I implore you, I do implore you, read all these wonderful accounts slowly and then reread them. God, through his testimony, is giving this to give us truth, but also to encourage us. This is a Syrian commander. He was an enemy of Israel. He was an enemy of God. But God had written his name in the book of life, and so he called him to himself. That is the grace and the mercy and the love of our God. Not to everybody. Not to everybody. He provides for the just and the unjust, but that doesn't mean he saves both the just and the unjust. Remember, he is just and he justifies. And that's what he does with this Syrian commander. With this Syrian commander. And then through, with his prophets, very few times, you know, this is kind of like with Elijah and Elisha. It's kind of like Moses and Joshua. You know, Moses kind of gave Joshua his authority. I mean, Joshua didn't really have many miracles. There were many miracles that happened, but it really wasn't by the hand of Joshua. Elisha really carries on more directly the ministry of his master Elijah. It's a wonderful time in redemptive history. And again, Elijah is pointed forward to in the rest of the Old Testament. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, at the very end, it talks about Elijah returning. You know, to bring the hearts of the fathers back to the children, bring the hearts of the children back to their fathers, and basically, also in Isaiah, it said he's he's going to prepare the way of the Lord. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elijah is there and Moses is there. Obviously, Elijah is a very central figure in redemptive history. So I implore you to read these things, to seek these things out on your own, because there's much to be considered with the life of Elisha. And that's kind of, you know, I think I mistakenly tried to do that through these, you know, try to kind of force feed all, all the different narratives. And I just don't, I don't think that does a lot of good. I'm more convinced that I think what we'll do is take certain portions and then that would, God willing, encourage you to seek these out on your own. That's kind of, that's how this relationship is supposed to go. All right. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Sea of Fire Ministries. We hope and pray this has blessed you in your walk with God, and we hope you join us again next week. You have been listening to Sea of Fire Ministries, where the Word of God is life.